around here. Captain! Signatures detected. Shields up. Signatures detected. Context Southfleet Command. What's happening? Context Southfleet Command. Delay that order. Context Southfleet Command. This is the captain. Context Southfleet Command. Get out of my chair. Chair, 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 chair. We have engaged the Klingons. 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 Welcome the greatest discovery it's a new star trek podcast from the makers of the greatest generation i'm adam pranica i'm ben harrison back at you with another friday episode of star trek colin picard if i'm uh making a lot of uh spasmatic movements in the camera <laughs> at you and at the viewers at home i've got that one fucking gnat in my office <laughs> <laughs> That's been here, I think, all week. Oh, man. It's the same one. It's the same one because I can't kill it. It's the same gnat from the same fungus. I did that thing. Well, I took the plant out. Like, this is now a plant-free office and has been for the entire week because I thought, I'm going to take away this guy's fucking home. Yeah, yeah. And then he's going to tire himself out flying around. No. And that'll be when I can get him. No. But the thing about the house gnat... <laughs> Is that they never tire. They never give you that satisfaction. They never sleep. I had a bunch of gnats in my office when I came in this morning, which was like a, like it had been a while. I hadn't seen one. And then I come in and suddenly it's back to full-time gnat. What the hell? Is this like a springtime thing? Is is this like a seasonal gnat disorder? Because I, I hipped you to this stuff. The mosquito bits. You can put granules in in your soil, and then it makes it so that uh, you take yourself down to the home center <laughs> and you pick yourself out a product called Mosquito Bits. And then you make sort of a tea bag out of the Mosquito Bits and soak it in some water for 24 hours. Did you put the granules right into the soil? Because I, I thought you were supposed to like pour Mosquito Bit water into the soil. You can do it both ways, and oh. I have done it both ways. If I'm out of the mosquito bit water, yeah, uh, I'll do granules on the on the top part of the soil, and then I'll spray the granules. Yeah, get them going to just sort of like get that happening. Water activated granules. As ever, no one should listen to me for plant care tips because <laughs> we've lost another beloved tree. We we got like a yucca tree, like an indoor yucca oh, yeah. tree. Those are great. Because we have we have a very skinny home, a very tall skinny home is what we have. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. When we thought to take advantage of the high ceilings by getting a tall plant. Right. But we just went and killed it. Oh man. What the hell? It's fucking dead. From the bits? Were you, were you doing bits on the tree and the tree just died? <laughs> All I do is bits, bits, bits. No matter what. Yeah. This is why you can't do bits on trees. <laughs> Clearly. Man. Because it's dead. And the, you want to know the saddest feeling? One of the sadder feelings I've ever had is taking an indoor tree down to the lawn recycling bin and like shoving it in there. And it's too tall. You can't close the lid on the tall tree. Oh, yeah. So, and it's all top heavy. So it's it like easily falls over. Like all you have to do is breathe on the can and it's fallen over. Yeah. yeah. It's embarrassing. And everyone knows that you fucked it up because like my lawn bin has my house number on it. Oh, yeah. Look at that idiot. He blew it with his yucca. It's a Kelly green letter that you have to wear on your clothes. It sucks, man. That's a drag. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I did to deserve these gnats. I uh, I guess I need I mean it's the the mosquito bits bag says you're supposed to do it like every week or two or something like that. I don't remember exactly. And Yeah. This was a couple of weeks ago. Who remembers to do something every couple of weeks, though? No one does that. For sure not me. Uh, if it is not watching a Fast and Furious movie on a Saturday, I am not remembering to do it. I should be great at plants because <laughs> I calendar when I'm supposed to water them. Yeah. Like, this shit is on rails and I'm still blowing it. You're so fastidious. It seems insane that a plant would die under your care. I know. I know. And that gnats would arise from the soil, too. Like, you've got bad news coming and going. I should pack up the dead yucca in the car and uh, throw it through the window of the nursery. You pack up the yucca tree and you throw it through the big bay window of the home center. <laughs> like a discount Taya commercial. Because <laughs> I'm an unsatisfied customer, but you you can never prove yeah. that it's not your fault. No, it's it's your fault. It's always operator error with a plant. Yeah. 
Hey, do you know if it's okay for dogs to eat flies? Because when we came in here, there were also two house flies, and Dar just lunged at him and got him. Shall I set course for Darwin Station? Look at him, Captain. Darwin. Darwin, this is the Enterprise. This is one of the things about dogs that normally a dog could do nothing to gross me out. Like, look at him rolling around in that shit. Like, whatever. That's just a dog being a dog. That's like the one dog gross out thing yeah. that really squicks me out is like the eating of live insects. Yeah, yeah. Flies especially. I think it's fine. Dogs eat flies all the time. He calls them sky raisins. He seems to really like them. Uh, <laughs> it brings out his hunting instinct. Yeah, yeah. Dogs love them. Which is really, really unsophisticated. Like, if I go get the fly swatter, Darwin goes absolutely mental. It's like the most excited he could possibly get. He has zero chill. He makes it so hard to get the fly because he is alerting the fly to how much danger it's in by barking at the top of his lungs. I like your dog problems more than my dog problems, (laughs) which I've reduced down to broken dog pussy. That's what she's got. (laughs) Which is a term that both my wife and my vet really love. <laughs> I've got them both saying it. Yeah, yeah. She's uh, She's got a leaky puss, right? Yeah, yeah. Poor pup. Yeah. Oh. I mean, she's the one overwatering. Yeah, maybe that's why the plants are dying. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a couple months over here at the homestead. It's good. It's a good time. Yeah, you're having a great one. Uh, the highlight for me, really, is new Star Trek. And I'm being sincere about that. I'm enjoying living in this new Star Trek universe that we live in. Yeah. Do you want to get into the episode we came to talk about today, Adam? I really do. It's Star Trek Picard, season two, episode three, Assimilation. Directed by Leah Thompson. Very uptown. We come back to the La Serena in the fascist alternate version of the present and uh the president and her husband are kind of having a showdown the first fella licks a shot at eleanor who goes down now he knows what it feels like to uh to get cut up i guess i really really wanted this guy to get cut in half yeah like anytime eleanor is in a scene of combat yeah i just want people bifurcated (laughs) Is that too much to ask? Do you think that Elnor's, do you think his like personal essay when he applied to the Academy had anything about how many bodies he had cloven in twain? I think it is a good thing. And bear in mind, the last time I wrote a college entry essay was many, many years ago. But I think it's good to kind of humanize yourself with some mistakes that you made that you learned from. Mm. And maybe for Elnor, it's, uh, God, I just really cut a lot of people in half and probably... 80% deserved it, but those 20% really keep me up at night. It's really hard to imagine Elnor humanizing himself. Why the very name is racist. But at the same time, they didn't choose to live. Yeah. <laughs> so how much of it is on Elnor? They shit the bed. They have to sleep in it. Right. I didn't notice the, at the end of the last episode that Gerardi hid behind the board queen's hanging basket. <laughs> like, and I love that you don't get the wide shot here because if you did, you would see her legs underneath that basket. Right. Is that what Gerardi's banking on? Like like that to to an observer, it just looks like a board queen with legs? Yeah, yeah. They're just glancing over there and they don't see anything <laughs> strange because it just looks like board queen on top, legs on the bottom. Five nine, blue eyes, long legs, great skin. There's a lot about this Borg Queen I'm trying to figure out, and I think off of the top, it's why does the Borg Queen have resting, amused at my grandchildren face at all times? (laughs) Is that because she feels above the danger of the combat here, or is she off and that is her like resting expression? I can't figure out what's going on with her. I was kind of picturing it more like what the expression I imagine my wife makes when I'm been giving her a back massage and I stopped for a second. She's making the face of like, are you going to keep going or is he just punching out? Because that's kind of what's happening here. Eventually he'll tire himself out. Right. Like Gerardi has been plugging her in, but has stopped. Yeah. And that, yeah, maybe that's what it is. It's the, it's the interruption of the, of the back plugging. Yeah. 
So a Star Trek fight breaks out on the front of the ship, and uh, this you know causes many of the fascists to get vaporized. I guess all of the fascists get vaporized, right? They're not coming on our time travel adventure with us. You're not invited. I really like the mist that they turn into. Yeah. I'm a fan of this effect. And I also like that Raffi kills the husband. Yeah. I mean, I think that the husband character maybe didn't get his due, you know? Maybe when we talked about him last episode, I, I felt bad about it because I think... <laughs> I think he's a really interesting character. Like I do too. And his performance makes you feel for his confusion. Like he just doesn't get it. He's caught up in this thing he doesn't understand. It's like he's part worried about the future of his evil society and he's part heartbroken at him. Tell me, what's my full name? Say my name, say my name. You're giving me the static. Not acting like a fascist. Why'd you steal the queen? Say my name, say my name. <laughs> society is shady. All other species hate me, so let's eradicate. <laughs> <laughs> if any moment was song worthy, it is definitely seven not passing spousal two factor authentication. <laughs> I don't I don't actually know your name, dude. <laughs> so the two storylines that are happening in parallel are the La Serena escaping uh, Earth's evil defense force, which is chasing them out of orbit, and Raffi and Seven trying to patch Elnor up. And this is a uh, Kind of a strange pair of people to be working on this because there is an actual medical doctor on board who is doing other shit. <laughs> right. I mean, and if there were ever a time for the hollow to like, I don't know, can you separate all the combined hollows? Can you turn him into doctor only or whatever? Does this version of the Serena have the hollows? Yeah, exactly. Raffi winds up being the only person working on Elnor and everybody else runs up to the front where Q is harassing Picard and they are... You know what? You're suggesting that that it's probably an evil hollow. Oh, yeah. Maybe there's a, f- <laughs> a fascist hollow. Yeah. Fascist Emmett. Where is he? <laughs> I bet that's what it is. You can't turn him on. Yeah. He's just going to subjugate. Yeah. He's just going to invade a country <laughs> or whatever. I mean... One way that the ships are exactly alike is that in Six Bay, Raffi's rummaging through the medical supplies, and it's just all urine. <laughs> what? Yeah. I can't close this gaping phaser wound with piss. It's <laughs> not how that works. I've heard it's sterile, so maybe I could clean the wound, but yeah, I don't know if I want to. It'd be so smelly. This is a really difficult part of the episode and this is also the part that q shows up to just taunt picard yeah over how shitty things are in this exact moment i couldn't tell if anybody else could see q yeah i i don't think they could yeah which has got to be awful right like we've had our lives hijacked into this alternate version of reality and also our tormentor only talks (laughs) to the old guy (laughs) q really loves getting up inside a person's neck nook right (laughs) <laughs> I thought this is a neat callback compositionally. Yeah. <laughs> like he's getting up in there. Get in that nook. Yeah. You can smell Q's cologne. So close. <laughs> and you know he's an over coloner too, I bet. Oh yeah. You can smell Q right through the TV screen. Yeah. He's a Dracar noir man. <laughs> you flatter me. I love we get the Borg hanging basket falling down face first. <laughs> but crucially she falls out of frame. Right. Like, you don't get to see the face hit the floor. Yeah. Let the face hit the floor. <laughs> I really liked Crawley Borg Queen. That's that's a very scary uh, look. I think this is a moment that has been inspired by, like, the Japanese horror film, wet hair girl horror film genre. Because, mm-hmm. like, when the queen is walking around on her hands like that, I mean, that's the first thing I thought of. She's like the ring girl. Yeah. she's uh, She's wet cable girl. Yeah, and then she's drawn up kind of crucifix style in front of the engine core, which is another pretty uh, astounding composition. Jesus Christ! It really is. It sort of undermines the case for Gerardi having not been helping Elnor, though. It's like, oh, look, the the Borg Queen could just have been plugging herself in. (laughs) Yeah. 
I mean, she's willing to die for everyone, and I mean everyone sins. <laughs> All sins everywhere. Yeah. So she begins to assimilate the ship. We see this reflected on the screens, which start to go from red and blue to green. And uh, she takes out the ships that are chasing them and then steps on the gas and they start to head toward the sun for their time travel adventure. Why were these ships one shot, one kill before the Borg Queen even took control of the La Serena is what I was thinking in this moment. Like, nice shot, guys. <laughs> like, But isn't the suggestion that you're overmatched, not just in number, but in firepower? Yeah. What is what, this, what's up with that? What is the La Serena packing that it can take out an entire starship? I don't know. I'd like to know more, though. Yeah. Fire urine torpedo. <laughs> it wasn't that they destroyed that starship. They were just too grossed out yeah. to continue the fight. They're like, ew. It was a trucker bomb. <laughs> we got to <laughs> land and find a shower. Is that piss? Pull over. <laughs> Normally, as fascists, I'm super into piss. <laughs> but I don't know where this is from. What? 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 What's happening? What's all this? I'm trying to save you. What is this? Rios not exactly excited that the queen has control. Like, she's the autopilot from Airplane, basically, <laughs> running the show here. Yeah. And that allows us to cut back to Six Bay where Raffi's holding on to Elnor and it looks like he's really circling the drain. We jump to time travel and uh I was I was really hoping that they would go full milkheads in this. Yeah. yeah. I do like the milkhead effect. I mean like I thought that the real rocking effect that they did was really cool like the you know the sparks falling down and then falling up. Mm-hmm. It looked nice, but uh, give us milkhead. Come on. You're telling me you don't have the budget for one milkhead? <laughs> Maybe when they did like peace to old milkhead, it just looked too too yeah. wrinkly. Right. In the milkhead averse. It looks like the slingshot effect works. And they all they have to go on is just the context clues, like the makeup of the atmosphere. Yeah. Is a suggestion of this. An atmosphere that they soon find themselves in because they're kind of an out of control slingshot pebble they've gone around the sun and they're headed back towards earth and they can't really hit the brakes they have to crash land and picard takes control and says that he's crash landing them home which i'm guessing means labar france because it's also in a different time zone than the rest of the episode right it's like night where they crash yeah and uh i mean you can see the vineyard out in the distance oh you can i didn't yeah i i, I couldn't see it on my screen it was very dark i mean don't you mean your home, Picard? <laughs> yeah, that's uh you think that the Picards in the in 2024 are going to be able to explain this? Oh no, but they they didn't take over the vineyard until he was a boy, right? So right. this is somebody else's vineyard, I guess. This is not my beautiful vineyard. He'd say. <laughs> I do hope we have a French farmer storyline in this, you know. If this were the bridge crew of the Discovery, home would be the west coast of the United States, right? And everyone would agree that that is a fine place to crash the ship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Coastal Oregon and... <laughs> I like hiking. I like hiking too. You too? Me too. <laughs> I like camping. <laughs> uh, that's all we know about each other. All right, bye. <laughs> so... After they crash land, the power is down and it's all getting diverted to the queen, which is no good because the bio bed that was keeping Elnor going yeah. uh, also needs power and it's not getting it. So Rafi has a pretty intense goodbye scene with Elnor here. I couldn't understand what he was saying for a lot of this. No? Yeah. like I mean, the part where he asked for the medallion out of his boot? I got that part. But like she, he says something to her and she said, did you just make your first joke? And I could not make out what, what the joke was. Yeah. It didn't sound like English. Huh. Did you get it? I mean, I didn't have a problem with that part, but I didn't write it down. So yeah. I don't know if I have it. I mean, TV rules mandate that a character with blood coming out of their mouth means death is imminent. Right. And I mean, as soon as you see all this green, all this ecto cooler <laughs> come out of Elnor- 
You know it's RSVP Elnor. Yeah. I had wondered if this show had the stones to kill him, and they did, but TV rules also mandate that when you kill a main character in a time travel show... They've got a shot. You're going to be bringing him back later. And this also made me think about everything that's happened up until now, Ben. If this is a season about fixing the past in order to correct the future, and we go back into the original timeline and Picard has a second chance with Laris, and this time he, he chooses to be with her, I should be in a fucking writer's room. Because if it's that easy <laughs> to see the entire way to the end here, then, like, fuck me, right? So, in the interest of efficiency, shall we just fast forward? Uh, yeah, I mean, he could also have just had a conversation with her. <laughs> he doesn't need to time travel to fix that. I know I traveled back in time, but then I traveled back forward again. Back to the future, you could say. <laughs> I've always been a Back to the Future 2 fan. Isn't it cool that these underpants are purple and say Calvin <laughs> Klein on the waistband? I've never seen purple underwear before, Calvin. Anyways. <laughs> so Raffi takes the medallion yeah. that Elnor was asking for and wears it. Where's it for the rest of the episode? She does, yeah. Do you think Elnor is happy to die because he attached himself to a hopeless cause and died in the process? Do you think that's part of closing the loop for him as a co-op Malat? Maybe. I, yeah, like a, like some kind of Klingon type thing where it's like this is a worthy death. Yeah. As long as he chose it, right? If he had chosen to live on the bio bed, would that have made a difference? <laughs> That's another question. You got to know when you get into that whole uh, hopeless cause thing that your chances aren't good from jump. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's how the co-op Malat roll. In the aftermath, Picard is having a pretty hard time winning over the room. <laughs> we have to press on. Given, and I'm gesturing broadly, everything he's done over the last couple of episodes. <laughs> and I love that Raffi calls him on this. And Raffi is no stranger to smashing the ball-kicking machine on Picard. Yeah. Like, she loves it. She always has change. Yeah. The uh, we have to press on thing does not go over great with Raffi. Also does not go over great with Seven, who... Really wishes that they had shot the queen when yeah. Rios had the gun drawn on her. But Picard is making the case for, like, the queen knows a bunch of stuff we need to know about this time period and has connections to other unaltered timelines that can give us reference points. But also, I kept thinking about, like, don't we need her to get home also? Yeah. Or are they relying on Q for that? Like once we solve the problem, does Q just snap his fingers and it all goes back to normal? It's interesting how little, if at all, that's ever said, because that's exactly where my mind went. It's like they're hostages to her ability to get them home again, even more so than they're hostages for her intelligence that she yeah. contains. Right. But I guess there's no point in going home if they can't fix the timeline anyway. So that would mean that's what the hierarchy is. It's, it's her intelligence and then getting home. Secondary. Yeah, all or nothing. So Raffi is just ripshit pissed. She's done playing games. She doesn't like that Picard is playing games with Q, even though Picard can't do much about that. And she is heading into town to find the Watcher, figure out what's going on, fix the timeline, get this shit over with. She's like she's like the uh, the player of the video game that doesn't do any of the side quests. <laughs> Right. Yeah. yeah, she's moving in one direction and every, it's up to everyone else to just sort of follow, yeah. which is really dangerous in a time travel story because for reasons that Gerardi gives to Rios and everyone else, we yeah. need to get the rules of time travel articulated here and she's the one that does it. You have to look out for butterflies. Yeah, we're not taking guns on our adventures. Everything we do has potential ripples in the timeline and anything that we do that could get us scanned or yeah. checked out in any way by the authorities is a no-go because we're all like low-jacked with future crap. Like there's identity chips and vaccine chips and stuff inside of us. Right. It's Bill Gates' fantasy future made real. You're killing it, 2024. Hey, Picard, try not to break up with anyone out there, okay? <laughs> 
How long before the morgue on the La Serena <laughs> stops being able to chill Elnor's body if the power is out? Yeah, I mean, that would seem to be a pretty low priority power system that you'd want to reroute <laughs> to the primary junction, right? Right, yeah. So we got to get dressed for success in 2024, and that means uh, trying to find clothes that don't look too futury aboard this ship. Yeah. They find some stuff. Some of it has like fascism patches on it that they're able to rip off, but uh, they're going to be able to blend in. Can I do this? Or do I look like some sort of gay superhero? Yeah. The thing that I noticed being a relatively recently minted L.A. man Mm -hmm. is that they're wearing a lot of clothes. Yeah, a lot of layers. And what I'm thinking is hot L.A., yeah, LA f- like famously photographs the same in summer and winter. Like Baywatch is yeah. all shot in the winter because they wanted relatively clear beaches, which is why right. uh, a lot of the actors hated working on that show because they're in like skimpy bathing suits and freezing their asses off on a beach. Top of the morning to ya. This episode is brought to you by the St. Patrick's Day Shamrock Shavers Manscaped. This year, don't just chase rainbows. Make your own pot of gold and groom your little leprechaun with the leaders in Below the Kilt Care. I didn't make that up. That's actual copy sent to us by the great folks over at Manscaped who make the shaver that I use downstairs on my little leprechaun. And uh, I recommend it. Uh, it works great. Uh, trimming the hedges in your Irish garden isn't just for below the belt. You can complete your look with their new signature Beard Hedger Pro Kit plus Handyman Electric Face Shaver. Everything they make is really good and high quality. And this new trimmer that they have comes with two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blades. They've got one for a classic trim and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. So get 20% off plus free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and get free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. This St. Patrick's Day, make sure your little hairy leprechaun is luckier than ever with Manscaped. I spent a lot of last week sick in bed. And one thing I was so happy I had when I needed something to eat but didn't really have the energy to cook myself something was Factor Meals. Got a couple of these in the fridge at all times, and they are delicious, fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted meals, and they're ready to go in just about two minutes. And this is convenience food that is actually tasty and full of real ingredients and not hyper-processed crap. And they got you covered all throughout the day. They got pancakes, smoothies, grab-and-go bites, and uh, you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause and reschedule deliveries at any time. So head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use code trek50 to get 50% off. That's code trek50 at factormeals.com slash trek50 to get 50% off. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on. Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. What? 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 Sounds like nonsense. 
What is going on? Run! Why? Go! Why? I'm trying to save you. This ship isn't going anywhere. Run! Why? Go! Why? I'm trying to save all of you. Who are you? Seven and Rios are working on the power problem, and Raffi is working on her resentments. And the location in mind for them to go to is the tallest building in LA, the Mark Ridge Tower, which I was hoping you could still see the ghost of the Cronower X sign on it. <laughs> I, I thought the same thing. <laughs> Do you think ET likes Chateau Care? I wanted that callback, which we didn't get, which is fine. Yeah. But God. Uh, it had some damage to it when that guy flew a spaceship out of the top of it. Yeah. Raffi is like a speedboat and Seven is like on water skis behind her in the plot, right? <laughs> like she is doing everything she can to keep up. Ruff, slow down. We're not even sure where to go yet. Yeah, seriously. They get uh, on the transporter pad. Everybody says their goodbyes. Some warnings that the transporter system is not running perfectly and it can't compensate for the rotation of the Earth. So they're going to be spaced sort of apart as they materialize. And Picard throws the touchscreen and then he and Gerardi are going to stay back to see if they can boot the Borg Queen back up. It is so crucial that the crew splits up here because if they stayed together to hear the plan <laughs> being hatched with this queen, <laughs> holy shit, no one would be on board with this. Yeah, this is, uh, this is something you do in private when everybody else is not looking. <laughs> the queen is still pretty messed up here. Like they wave a tricorder over her and, and it appears as though she's talking without speaking. Like she she's attempting to communicate with other Borgs who aren't around. Right. And in order to fix her software problem, someone needs to be a Borg to link with her and yeah. then like crawl around in her mind to mop up the damage. And Gerardi is like, cool, I volunteer to be assimilated. And Picard <laughs> says, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's kind of a weird moment because he flings his rifle, but... <laughs> Everything is already so broken on the La Serena <laughs> that there's no little ships to destroy. Yeah. This is an insane plan. Yeah. There's zero chance that they do this with Picard because she's already seen the contours of Picard's mind. So she would be able to assimilate him quick, fast. So Gerardi's arguing for it to be herself because that would make things uh, go a little slower and they m might be able to get the board queen back up and running in the amount of time that it takes. This is the kind of writing that really hopes you buy the reasons because logically this just doesn't make any sense. Like it would make more sense that Picard or seven would be better able to parachute into the board queen's mind, get in and get out because they know the contours of the entire map. The idea that Gerardi is a safer candidate because she's unfamiliar and it takes time to assimilate or whatever. I don't know, man. Like, I guess you're just supposed to to believe that that's the case. But I oh. I can't. I've, I have a hard time with that. I really didn't have a problem with that. I mean, I that reasoning totally worked for me. And like the scene that it leads to worked really well for me. So I didn't I didn't yeah. really take on any exception to that. I also sort of wondered if Seven would or wouldn't be as susceptible as Picard because she's not the Borg version of herself in this timeline. I want to see like a really extreme moment of truth though with Picard that I don't think we've gotten yet mm -hmm. with respect to the Borg. Like if he had to, would he? Like would he be assimilated again in order to save this crew? And I wanted that question answered here and it's not. Yeah. I mean, as Guinan said, there are fates worse than death. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was tantalized by the possibility here, and it just didn't get close enough for me. Yeah. I mean, that would be kind of nuking the shark, though, right? To, like, assimilate <laughs> Picard in episode three of a ten-episode arc. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> what? What? How do you heighten after that? <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I mean, that is a very season finale kind of moment. <laughs> but if what Picard goes through is exactly what Gerardi goes through in this episode, yeah, I think it's very interesting. Right. And I think it's it's possibly even more affecting because Gerardi as an instrument in this show is lightening the mood. Yeah. 
and Picard wouldn't do that in that chair. He and Gerardi go over to the BQ, and he gets ready to plug Gerardi in, having relented that her plan is actually the only way to do this. I mean, when this wire is produced in Picard's hand, I was thinking of the first contact Borgs, right? And this being somewhat related to that technology. Yeah. So all he has to do is place it on her neck. Yeah. It's wild that it just like sticks there. I wonder how they did that effect. I wonder if they thought about showing the assimilation as we knew it from first contact, because as soon as the wire sinks in in first contact, you start to see on the skin. You start to get gray, yeah. Yeah. We don't get that. Instead, we get a catatonic gerati. Yeah. Well, I think that it's part that it's going so slowly because the Borg Queen is at 8%, right? Yeah. So- she doesn't have the energy to do a, a quick assimilation yeah. the way she's used to. So Gerardi kind of freezes there and Picard sits down with his iPad to monitor her progress at booting up the Borg Queen's neural network functionality. Smash cut to Echo Park Lake. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> Lake, I have walked my dog around a hundred times. Pretty nice package of LA drone shot yeah. B-roll. They just licensed this from uh, the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, I think. <laughs> it's fun. It looks good. It does. And uh, as promised, the away team materialize apart. Raffi materializes in like a parking lot with like an RV and a truck on either side of her. Seven materializes in a city park right in front of a little girl who... Uh, she has to explain why she just materialized out of nowhere. Are you the real Batman? <laughs> and Rios materializes like two and a half floors up in a Hollywood backlot. <laughs> we have walked down this fake street before. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, a fall from any height there through the fire escape yeah. uh, is going to fuck you up. And fucked up he is. Fucked up enough to get taken to a free clinic by a good Samaritan. Yeah. God bless this guy. Yeah. Taking Rios in. Yeah. But fuck that little kid for stealing Rios's badge. Find those keepers. I don't like a precocious kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Covering that comm badge with his boogers. Gotcha. Gross. Raffi finds herself in an encampment of unhoused individuals where she gets mugged pretty much straight off the bat. Welcome to the earth of the 21st century. But uh, it's a reverse mugging. It's one of those muggings where the mugger winds up getting his wallet stolen. He started it. This guy had a lot of cash for Raffi to steal. He did. <laughs> I was like, how many people did this guy mug today? <laughs> He's doing all right. He's having a good day, you know? At what point do you just stop mugging and call it enough for a day? Clearly, I think he wished he stopped before he encountered <laughs> Raffi. <laughs> Every mugging bears some risk, but you know, like billionaires, a lot of muggers just don't know when enough is enough. Yeah. I kind of wondered why she didn't keep the gun. That's a great question. She like disassembles it and puts the parts in different places. How does she know how to disassemble it like she does also? Oh, yeah. Like she's a weapons expert from centuries from now. <laughs> she's like Tom Paris, but for guns. Am I making any sense here? Yeah. So she and uh, Seven meet up. Seven makes some kind of wry remarks about the amount of ass Raffi has already kicked. Seriously? <laughs> we just got here and you're already making friends. I mean, Raffi was pretty destroyed at the beginning of this episode and is now just driven. Like, she's turned yeah. all of her nasty feelings into determination. She's like the Jesse the Body Ventura in Predator of emotions <laughs> in this episode. She doesn't have time to feel. <laughs> <laughs> does that comparison work mm -hmm. i think it does yeah she's just got a a mini gun of uh -huh. quippy barbs yeah. for everyone <laughs> i mean she wants to keep things moving because she has zero faith in picard's plan at what she knows of it anyway which is nothing really she just wants to act of her own volition and not trust that old man yeah who is a total letdown she would much rather get Elnor back alive through time travel slash Q magic than yeah. be nice or cool to anyone. Back with Gerardi, Picard, and the Queen, 
Gerardi is talking like a person who's like just at the beginning parts of general anesthesia, mm-hmm. like a pre-colonoscopy Gerardi here mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. post even, you know? Sure. Yeah. You can narrate your brain adventure on <laughs> either end of those drugs. Why is this happening to me? <laughs> I mean, usefully she describes her experience as sort of an, a series of rooms that anyone could understand. Yeah. I kind of wondered if we were going to go into some sort of representational situation yeah. where Gerardi and the Queen were trading quips or something. But yeah. what they chose to do is have Gerardi kind of cycle through all the kind of different emotional corners of her head as the Borg Queen, as an observer, makes her way through Gerardi's mind. And uh, boy, like Alison Pill rose to the occasion of this scene is so fucking impressive what she does with this. I like the interplay between the characters, between Gerardi and the Queen, because you're hearing about Gerardi's experience up inside her head, but you're also hearing about the Queen's path through Gerardi. And it seems like this is fairly intentional, as if assimilating a person begins in their anger and sadness centers, as if conquering those parts of a person make it easier, or if those are like the first defenses you need to attack yeah. in a person to to effectively assimilate them. I thought that was really interesting. It's a really intense scene, and it ends with Picard having to like fight through her to unplug the barb. And I like the voice throwing in this scene, too, yeah. between the two characters. Occasionally, Gerardi's voice comes out of the board queen's mouth and vice mm-hmm. versa, and then they're kind of like back and forthing it, and it feels like he's gotten her out like right at the last moment. Yeah, that was close. Back at the top of the tallest building in LA, we're with Seven and Raffi, and thanks to Seven's improv, we've been able to talk our way past the security person who is way funnier than Kevin, who's a fucking dope. <laughs> yeah, Kevin does not bring the heat. Jokes wise. No. Yeah. And this guy's great. Kevin is not funner than me. <laughs> yeah. He's fun. He's cool. Uh, he's going to let the two beautiful women who asked nicely do a selfie from the top of the building. He has no further questions. No. <laughs> he's not paid enough to have questions. Yeah. This is the former Chronoworks building, you know? <laughs> right. Like, who cares what goes on in here? I really felt seen in this scene because seven is shocked at how friendly people are in la you know to her compared to where she's from Uh just like i was moving here from seattle strangers don't usually like me right people in seattle were extremely suspicious of your intentions they assume xb in seattle in a way that la does not it's great (laughs) yeah So they get their scan on, and meanwhile, Rios is getting his hand fixed up by the lovely doctor who runs this clinic, and she kind of gives him the rundown about what she does here. Uh, She does provide medical services to undocumented people, and that's kind of what she's assuming he is. And she's not going to let him go because he is concussed and his hand is super fucked up, so... He's not really going to be able to walk around steadily until he's had some bed rest. Classic doctor trick of like distraction ahead of a painful thing (laughs) happening here. It seems like Teresa is sincerely interested in Rios' happiest childhood memory. She is not. No, she's uh, much more interested in getting him fixated on something aside from his hand so she can make the bones do a thing that they don't want to do right now. Ah! Do you think we saw Santiago Cabrera in L.A. at that restaurant we were eating in last year? Remember how sure we were yeah. that we saw him? Yeah. I think that was him. That was him. Yeah. We for sure saw him. Cool story. Good looking dude in real life. Or did we see Captain Rios having been sent back from the future and he just resembles Santiago Cabrera? Holy shit. <laughs> I'm going to look for us. On a future episode of this show. His Starfleet badge that he was wearing looked fucked up and like too big, right? (laughs) Yeah. Like slightly the wrong shape and way too big. Yeah. Yeah, something just didn't look right. I believe the technical term is for shit. Oh, man. I was just head over heels for Teresa. Yeah, she's great. 
She'd never put up with your guff, though. No, <laughs> no way. <laughs> so yeah, he, he gets his hand fixed, but uh, he's going to need to hang out on the bed. We've been feeling too good for too long, mm-hmm. Ben. Like things have been light in the mood department sure. for a little bit. When we cut back to seven, she's here to smash us in the nuts about what a terrible future we have in store for us, yeah. gazing out on the fire on the hillside. Yeah, the hills behind the Griffith Park Observatory are ablaze, and uh, Seven is observing that the nightmare future that they were just in starts here, and it starts now. Yeah. It's a drag. It sucks for us. <laughs> Stop reminding us of these things, television shows. <laughs> I know. What kind of escape is this? I just want to stick my head in the sand. <laughs> I hate when the IPCC comes out with a new report. Fuck that shit. <laughs> hey, well, I don't think science knows, actually. Tom? Hey, good news. They found the signal from Rios' comm badge. Yeah. But they can't figure out why it's flashing on and off, and that's because fucking Ricardo... The snot-nosed kid has been playing with this thing in the clinic. It's not a toy. Why is Ricardo interested in this? He had a cool rocket ship toy earlier, and now he's just sitting there looking at the badge like it's interesting. The biggest leap in science fiction that this show has taken (laughs) up until now is that this little kid is less interested in a screen-based mode of entertainment (laughs) than a little clicky badge that makes a clicky sound. Yeah. Hey, neat. It makes a click, said no kid ever. Impossible. (laughs) (laughs) He can be plied with cookies, though. And uh, Rios is trying to bargain with him. It's a cookies for compadge trade that Rios is proposing. But uh, Teresa catches them. And um, it's revealed that this kid is, uh, in fact, her son. He's not allowed to have a cookie right now, and uh, he won't get to watch Rick and Morty later if he doesn't behave himself. Kind of feels like there's something going on here between Rios and Teresa. Yeah. All he's got to do is watch out for her big brother, Vin Diesel. Is she going to be the Rain Robinson of this uh, season? Maybe. Yeah, I could see that. Hope so anyway. She's great. Yeah. Easy on the ice in the same way as Rain Robinson. Sure. So- She's got that going for her as well. Hey, Rios, this isn't a fucking hotel. It's time to get changed. (laughs) Then you can take your butt up to the lobby where we'll check you out. But hey, going to keep the comm badge up there so you don't steal a bunch of shit on your way out the door. (laughs) This makes sense. Like this, this feels like a very real choice. Yeah. Like you get caught texting in class and the teacher keeps your phone in her desk until the end of the semester. Yeah. Back in Labar, Gerardi has passed out after her wild adventure inside the mind of the most dangerous character in Star Trek. And uh, that is when the Borg Queen wakes up and starts taunting Picard. Yeah. Same leopard, same spots. She has demands, Adam. She wants legs. She wants a million dollars in non-consecutive unmarked bills. She wants a helicopter and she wants 10 boxes of pizza for the hostages. (laughs) I mean, sure, but... Um, I've got a question. <laughs> About halfway through Star Trek Picard Season 2, Episode 3, Assimilation, uh, the poor queen has a bunch of demands. <laughs> Why couldn't the queen just take the ship right now? She's plugged into it. She's got power again. Why doesn't she take the ship, assimilate Picard and Jurati, and then Earth... And do what all Borgs do. Aren't these conventions wonderful? It does sort of seem like she is kind of right where she went when uh, she had an opportunity to in first contact, right? I think we're missing a line of dialogue here that undoes that possibility. Now that she's powered up, she couldn't be more dangerous. And why wait? Why fucking... like? Seven said it herself. Like The Borgs don't negotiate. The Borgs don't join. They fucking take. Why isn't she taking? Does she need to connect back to the collective to make it worth it? Is that something? It seems like if she took control of the ship, she'd be able to do that pretty quickly. But I don't understand how she's not connected to the ship in a way she needs to be. Yeah. It's weird. She's plugged in everywhere. They tried to pull those plugs out earlier in the episode and they couldn't. Yeah. They're really in there. (laughs) 
The deal on the table is the ship in exchange for the location of the Watcher. Doesn't seem like a fair deal. It's a raw deal because it's like, oh, but then what do we do if we don't have a ship? Yeah. Like, we need the ship. The queen also wants the rest proofing on the undercarriage. Mm -hmm. Price is really not an object for her. Yeah. Picard is like, well, I have to go back and talk to my manager and see if we can do that. Is this how you negotiate? When Gerardi wakes up, she kind of restates the need here, right? We need the location. Like, this is why we're here. We need the location of the Watcher. And not only that, we need to know when the temporal divergence occurs. These two things. These things too. But uh, Gerardi has kind of unexpected swagger in this scene because the board queen thinks she has all the leverage, uh, which as you've stated, she kind of does. But Mm -hmm. uh, Gerardi's like, actually, you don't know the location of the Watcher. I do. What? The queen is... uh, impressed which she tells us is a very is a very tough spot to be and that's dangerous the queen is definitely a bad friend you know Mm. you know the kind that uh like the queen always wants to be the top dog in the friendship group will tear the rest of her friends down doesn't like when when somebody else has big news or whatever right yeah She's always trying to one-up you. Not good. Very toxic. This is effectively what she's saying to Gerardi here. <laughs> yeah. Who'd have thunk that your uh, your best friend, the Borg Queen, would be a bad person to have in your life? When Gerardi and Picard leave this scene, Gerardi's like, should we just like leave her plugged in? And Picard's like, of course, we'll leave her plugged in. It does not mean she's charged all the way. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the clinic rios is uh going to get his badge when la migra shows up outside and he and the uh, rest of the people there are uh, encouraged to rush for the exit by dr teresa and uh, one of the other ladies that's working there because immigration police are coming and rios is not going to be able to prove his citizenship or anything but uh he can't leave without that badge so he dresses like a doctor and comes in while Teresa is talking to one of these immigration cops and is trying to play it off like, hey, I'm a doctor too. I work here. I just hurt my finger uh, doing uh, surgery. <laughs> uh, you know, like I, I got a little too uh, vigorous with <laughs> the surgery I was doing. He's got a 13-year-old kid with a bloody broken leg back there, and uh, some of the blood got on my fingers, and then I put this tape on also. (laughs) You see, I was trying to use the tape to remove the blood. I know, it's silly, right? Like, now that I'm saying it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. But anyway, uh, this is a doctor's jacket, thus making me a medical professional, and so forth. I guess you could say I have just as much authority and uh, (laughs) right to be here as anyone. (laughs) And uh, Ice just slams him and Teresa up against the wall. Yeah. You hate to see it. The worst bad guys in Star Trek. Ice. Immigration. (laughs) I mean, they're the worst bad guys in present reality, right? Man, if your cast is this, I thought the casting was great, but it just fucking sucks, man. Like when you're a buzz cut white guy, like that just happens to look the part in an armored vest Mm -hmm. and Oakley's. I mean- that's some tough typecasting. Yeah. Not easy to look yourself in the eye. Morning. <laughs> yeah. Guess I do look like the man. I mean, this is the only time you're going to hear me say this. Good job by these ice guys. You know? <laughs> Pretty thankless job. Yeah. A job that should be abolished, but they did a nice one with it. <laughs> these actors <laughs> is, what, is who I'm talking about. Right. And we end on the com badge with Picard's voice coming out of it on uh, on the desk as uh, Rios and Teresa are uh, are marched off. Rios, did I dial the wrong number? <laughs> Hello. I'd like to order a pizza. Call again later. <laughs> did you like this episode, Adam? Did we succeed? The less I think about it, the more I do like it (laughs) but this is the level of difficulty that this show has to rise above is that everything we know about the borg up until now suggests a greater level of danger and a greater challenge than we're getting in this episode right right 
So like when they're fucking around with the queen, my mind couldn't help but go to that scene in The Best of Both Worlds 2 where Data is jacking into Locutus and it takes everything he's got right. to get in there to access the network. And he's Data. <laughs> and here's Gerardi, like plugged in with a single cable and Gerardi is just able to turn the collective into like a two-person, two-way street of information super easily. And I couldn't get out of my head about how much that strained credulity to me. And it made me wonder if Gerardi is a synth. Hmm. That was the only logical explanation I had for how she was able to do that. I mean, she does design synth minds, right? Like, right. That was what she did when she was working with Maddox. So, And you could totally buy that Maddox made a real doll and Gerardi is it. Maybe, yeah. You know? I buy that she would have a, an easier time than almost any other human because of that, right? Like that she would have something to go on in a way that another human wouldn't. Right. I think that scene is central to my difficulty in like giving this a fully throated, I love this episode. Mm -hmm. But I mean, as it is, it's it's super enjoyable and I love the situation that we're finding our characters and I'm interested in knowing what happens from here. But like, man, I wonder what it's like to be in this writer's room and wonder if they've got it. Like if they've covered up all the holes or if like, how do you know you're done right. covering up the plot <laughs> holes before you're ready to go? lock the script. Yeah. And this is one of those moments that I got to believe that they scrutinized a bunch. Like, do we have enough to cover this? And I don't know if they do. The other thought I had has to do with this queen and, and that is how likable she is Yeah. and how unlikable I want her to be. When a Borg queen escapes from jail, I want to be correct in assuming the one thing she's got on her mind. And that's assimilation and taking all this shit is not the first line motivation for her. It makes me wonder, like she's full of attitude and quips and stuff. She's likable and I like liking her, but it feels wrong, Right. you know? Right. When a Borg queen escapes from jail, she's got one thing on her mind, <laughs> her big comeback. Yeah, like, I, I guess I'm thinking a lot about like whether this version of the Borg queen wants the same stuff. It seems like she should but it hasn't been articulated yet. I mean, everything we know about them says all Borgs want the same thing. Yeah, which is pretty awful, you know, when you think about it. Yeah. The entire species just being collapsed into this one easily summed up stereotype. I mean, yeah, I, I had some problems with this episode, but uh, resisting it is just futile for me, Ben. <laughs> what about you? Cute. Uh, I really like this episode. I did not have the same problems you did. And I think that that centerpiece scene with Alison Pill just like going through all the feels and batting the ball back and forth with the Borg Queen. She is great in that scene. And, and none of my problems are with her. I want to be clear. Like I could basically forgive anything that you can cite as a problem with this episode because of how much I liked that scene. Yeah. And, you know, I also I'm really excited about the contemporary Star Trek hangs that we're going to get in this season. The uh, the L.A. stuff was uh, was interesting. I wasn't sure what to expect about how they would play that, but I'm uh, I'm pretty excited so far. It seems like they're telling an interesting story with it. So. I think many of the criticisms that you raised are valid, but they're not like bothering me as much as it seems like they're bothering you. And I'm trying to stay optimistic that the show has thoughts about some of these things, because what the Borg Queen is up to is definitely a question on my mind. Uh, it doesn't seem like that's been totally revealed yet. Yeah. It's very premature to have the sort of problems that I've got with this show. You're just an angry man, Adam, but uh, do you want to see if there are any angry Priority One messages in the inbox? Oh, I hope so. That'd be perfect. <laughs> priority One message from Starfleet coming in on Secured Channel. Ben, our first Priority One message is from Kevin. It's to Nicole. The message goes like this. Happy birthday, Imzadi. Please forgive me for not being as attractive as Riker. <laughs> I forgive you, Kevin. Everyone should. Yeah, Kevin, come on. Don't be so hard on yourself. Nobody is as attractive as Riker. Not a chance. Just sucks. Kevin's like on an airplane. <laughs> he thinks he's got an empty seat next to him. He he thinks someone's going to want to come up and sit next to him on a plane. No one does. That's a Riker thing. Yeah, that's, that's not a Kevin thing. That's Riker only. Uh, happy birthday, Nicole. You'd probably sit next to Kevin, right? Hey, Nicole, I think you, you could do better than Kevin. <laughs> 
Oh no, what? No! Go for a like a Riker type. If you... <laughs> Kevin sounds great. I'm sticking up for Kevin. Okay. I'm not gonna brook any disparagement. No. Kevin in this case. I'm just I get a little defensive when Riker comes up. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> You have some unresolved feelings there. Happy birthday, Nicole. Let's make this more about Nicole. It's her birthday. It's her birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday, Nicole. Uh, our next priority one message is from Ryan from Sacktown. It's to Adam and Ben. It goes like this. It's 221. That's February 21. And I just finished The Greatest Generation again. So I figured I'd get a P1 for The Greatest Discovery and for The Greatest Generation. Hey, thanks, Ryan. Wow. Listen to it again. <laughs> Two questions. One, which character from DS9 or TNG would you most like to see return in a current show? And two, who's your favorite current show character? Curious to see if the answer changes between when these P1s air. Love you guys. Thank you for the great pods. I think we've said it before. My answer to the first question is Kevin Uxbridge in Lower Decks. (laughs) That remains my answer to that question. Sure. But uh, my favorite current show character, great question. That's kind of a stumper. I'm going to think about it yeah. for a moment. Tricky to answer. I've been really enjoying the character of President Rillick on uh, Discovery. I feel like she is a character that has sort of defied reduction. Like, I keep thinking of her as, like, evil politician or as, like, power mad or as you know like every time you kind of try and encapsulate what she is she does something that kind of confounds that and i I feel like that's because she's a very three-dimensional character and one of the best written characters on that show i think this season so i think uh i think i'm gonna go president Rillick for that second question uh mine's gonna be a little bit of a curveball because we haven't seen them in a while but i'm gonna say captain pike wow Anton Mount's Captain Pike, oh, specifically, yeah. who I'm looking forward to seeing in the uh, Strange New World series coming up soon. But yeah, I think that's my favorite current show character. Maybe Boims yeah. would be a close second. Boims is good. Shax. Mm-hmm. Shax is in the top three, I you think. You do love yourself some Shax. I do. I am a baby bear. <laughs> All right, baby bear. Let's close up the P1 mailbag. If folks would like to get a P1, head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Set it up today. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you discover yourself in Edward Larkin? Edward Larkin. Mm, just because... I don't think we'll see him again. I'm going to give it to the unnamed husband of the president Hmm? uh, in fascist earth. (laughs) He really thought that he'd like saved the day there for a second. And uh, he didn't realize what a Star Trek fight beat down he had coming his way. He's looking at Raffi like, why is this lady so mad at me? (laughs) What is her deal? That combination of righteous indignation and being heartbroken yeah. was such a wild combination. And I, I really thought that that character was well-written and well-portrayed. Yeah, really well-acted. Like, you really saw every part of that. Yeah, absolutely. Really great job by him. How about you? God, this is going to sound like I'm contradicting myself, but I'm going to give it to Jurati specifically for the scene I had a problem with. Like... Alison Pill's greatness definitely on display there, but also Gerardi's impulse to take risks here yeah. is a part of it. And I mean, it's a pretty crazy thing she does. And I didn't quite get it at the time. I'm glad we go through it with her. Yeah. But I mean, a character with some impulse control that I think might benefit from a little bit of that in moments like these. <laughs> Yeah, I think she must have some professional curiosity about the Borg also. Like, yeah. I kind of wish that they'd put some of that into the dialogue. Right. I wonder how affected Gerardi is going to be for the rest of the season or series from this. Like, Yeah, is she going to be shook? Yeah, I mean, she mentioned a feeling of kind of euphoria afterwards that I wonder if, I wonder if that's going to stick around. I wonder if her connection to the Queen is going to remain. Well, Adam, nothing gives me euphoria like wrapping up another episode of The Greatest Discovery. Why don't we uh, yeah. toss the ball to our intrepid producer, Wendy Pretty, and uh, call it a day. Yeah. Hey, this was the last episode of 
Picard that we're going to do in the same week as a Discovery. Is that correct? That's correct. The next episode of uh, Star Trek Picard we will cover on a Tuesday. So uh, we'll see you there. In the meantime, uh, maybe Wendy will have some information about the next episode. Who knows? Yeah. You'll have to listen to the credits to find out. The Greatest Discovery is an Uxbridge Shimoda podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. It's hosted by Ben Harrison and Adam Pranica. It's produced and edited by Wendy Pretty. Next week on Tuesday, the guys will hash it out over the season four finale of Star Trek Discovery. And then we'll be back to Star Trek Picard on Tuesdays after that. The original music for this show is by Adam Ragusea. You can find his cooking channel on YouTube by searching Adam Ragusea. Thanks as well to the card daddy, Bill Tilly, who manages the at Greatest Trek social media accounts on Instagram and Twitter. Follow us there and use the hashtag Greatest Discovery to talk about the show online. We love to see it when you recommend the show to a friend or leave a nice review. You can also support by getting a P1 on an upcoming episode at MaximumFun.org Jumbotron. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with more of The Greatest Discovery. Org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.